And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The Totally Football League show. Cup sets are plenty. A six-goal thriller and a full car park at Adams Park. Evans above for all more accurately away from Ginningham. And John Yems is talking cobblers. In association with Paddy Power, this is the Totally Football League show. Hey, listener, what a weekend of football, not just in the Cup, but League One and Two. Also had much to enjoy, which is exactly what we intend to do on today's show. Joining me, Michelle Owen, in for Matt today. Uh, talk sports stalwart. How do you say that? Stalwart. Stal- stalwart. There we are. He knows how to say words too. And bona fide rock god, Ian Danter. Hi, Dance. Hello, hello. How are we all? And mercurial winger. I can't speak today because I'm in for Matt. Mercurial winger turned magnificent pundit Adrian Clark. Oh, I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, good to be here. We, I, I, I'm assuming now that the third round of the Cup's over, we're not going to really cover what happened. No need, is uh, there? Well, I think a few more things might have happened. One person that was a, a huge game is EFL Centurion, Sam Parkin. Hiya, Sam. Hi, Michelle. Good to see you. So we're going to get on to League One and Two in just a second. But yeah, there was some seriously good FA Cup action at the weekend. So that is where we are going to head first. You're listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Right, let's start with with games you were all at then. And Sam, I mentioned it there, Swindon v Man City. I think a lot of us were watching on Friday night. Um, but what what is it? What was it like at the county ground? It's it's not. Let's be honest, with respect, it's not a normal occasion for Swindon Town, is it? No, it, it certainly wasn't. So much so that I didn't even get a car park pass, Michelle, which is just <laughs> do you not say do you incredible know, do you know scenes. Of course I do. No. <laughs> I, 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 parked in, I parked in the school and uh, ran the corner and I quite enjoyed some of the Manchester City supporters coming off in the sub-zero temperatures, driving rain, wearing shorts. That was my, my the, the, the first sight I had, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Enjoyed knowing they were going to be in the, the Stratton Bank open end. So, um, But that, that, was, um, that was great seeing that fall to the rafters. Doesn't invariably happen at Swindon. Last time was probably that 5-5 against Sheffield United, if you can recall, in the playoffs when we had such an incredible atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, loads of youngsters obviously probably going to their first game and they got a really good spectacle uh, as soon as the City team was announced. But I thought the Swindon players could leave with their heads held high. I thought McCurdy was great again in attacking sense. Um, really... Um, uh, adventurous, him, him and Simpson at the top end of the pitch. I thought they did really well. And, and Kessler Hayden, the, the right-sided wing-back, had a, had a bit of a stormer. One p- particular tackle on Kevin De Bruyne in the second half has probably earned him his recall to Aston Villa. So that was a little bit sobering for the Swindon fans yesterday morning, as was the, the news that a few of their supporters misbehaved, which I think is, is right that we, we mentioned. 
um, which was disappointing. But in the main, I would say a night that all the, the young supporters, uh, new supporters will probably remember forever because there were some unbelievable performers. Cole Palmer being the main one in that, he was exceptional and would imagine he's going to be in a, a full England squad very soon. Yeah, he does look a promising talent, that's for sure. Sam, you were at Spurs v Morecambe as well, as was Dance. Uh, what did you make of that one? Well, Morecambe had Spurs exactly where they wanted him for over an hour. And I'm so pleased that the Morecambe fans, if nothing else, got their moment um, in the same way that the Shrewsbury fans did at Anfield yesterday, that they got in front. And they deserve to be in front. Anthony O'Connor with a lovely finish. Um, they'd done really cleverly, actually, more, but they dragged a load of Spurs players towards the ball where the corner was being taken. It gave so much space for O'Connor to move into, get in front of Tanganga and finish. But unfortunately for Morecambe, they allowed... Spurs to get back into. Obviously, Conte throws the cavalry on, throws on Kane and Mora and Skip. He had to. Uh, well, he absolutely had to because there was nothing happening up front. And um, unfortunately, when it came to you know the, the the second goal in particular, I mean they got level, and then Morecambe win a free kick on halfway. And I don't know what you thought about this, Sam, but Aaron Wildig, with all his experience, you know, over two hundred appearances for Morecambe, rather than waiting letting everybody get in position and then sending a free kick down the field diagonally left or right. He plays a square ball on halfway to Ryan McLaughlin who gets dispossessed by Mora, walloped. Five seconds later, Spurs are in front. And that just seemed basic to me. Greg Lee was fantastic, but even he got caught out for the, the, the third goal that Spurs scored by being caught on his own dead ball line and eventually Kane slots it home. But Greg Lee's impressed me every time I've seen him play for Morecambe on that left-hand side. Um, I don't suppose you come through the Manchester City Academy for nothing. But what a day for the supporters of Morecambe who came down there. And it could it could have been extra time, I feel. I don't know what Sam thinks, but I, they should have been able to negotiate against that Spurs team playing that poorly to get an extra half hour out of them. Yeah, he also took in Port Vale v Brentford. Port Vale gave them a run for their money as well, didn't they? Um, Clark, you were at Everton against Hull. What a thriller. Oh, it was a great game, a wonderful game to commentate on. My takeaway fr from this game is that Grant McCann is a brave manager. He will just go for it. It was so adventurous from the Tigers. Um, we know that he likes this back three with the sort of wingers as wing backs, and they really did play right up the pitch, which left their back three up against Everson's front three. It was a one. It was man to man stuff. And it made for just one of the best games I've seen live in a long, long time because it was you attack, we attack. And it was risky and Everton had loads of chances. Poor old Deshaun Bernard was twisted up big style by Damari Gray. I uh, felt sorry for him, but 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 everybody else really, really shone. I thought, I thought it was a really brave performance from Hull. Uh, Longman off the bench, wonderful goal. Tyler Smith scored his first goal in, the, in, in uh, Hull colours early on. Great header. And yeah, to a man, I thought I thought they were excellent. Even Tom Huddleston came off the bench. I thought he made a difference, pinging those sort of long diagonals into, into Tom Eve. So, so yeah, it was um, a really good performance. Grant McCann and his players come out of it with, with their heads held high. 
Um, yeah, they, they were just unfortunate in the end. It was, a, it was a cracking goal to win the game from from Andros Townsend. I think EFL clubs did themselves a lot of credit this weekend and that was definitely magnified by Forrest, wasn't it? We're sorry to be missing Matt today because we know he'd be waxing lyrical about this. So, Clarkie, as you were there, uh, we'll let you wax lyrical about Forrest. But Arsenal were poor, weren't they? I mean, I saw on TV some of some of the supposed Arsenal highlights. They just didn't seem to have any penetration. It was... Uh... An absolutely dreadful Arsenal performance. There, there were no redeeming features at all. I wasn't there, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, I wasn't there. Um, but I had to go down to London, which is a bit weird for me because I'm much closer to Nottingham than London. But I had to go down to Emirates to to, to work on it from the studio. Um, it was, yeah, it was appalling. But, but let's talk Forest. This is an EFL podcast. I, th- I thought that that Jed Spence and Brennan Johnson were dynamite down that right-hand side. Okay, Nuno Tavares was... Half asleep, I think. It, it, yeah, he'd left his energy on the coach. It was it was a, an appalling sort of thirty minutes from him, but but yeah, they were superb. The shape structure was great. Steve Cook, terrific debut. Keenan Davis, who we've sort of laughed about because he scored, I think, three goals in seventy three appearances for Villa. He was really good, an absolute handful. Said he and would be. I said that. When I got, you guys you? said a few weeks ago, you're like, Keenan Davis hasn't scored many goals. I'm like, I reckon it'll yeah. be a handful. See, and it's it only is. one game, but yeah. I like Run it. that in, Abby. Run that in. Oh, thank you. I will. <laughs> but I'll tell you what happened. Uh, Bree Samba, the keeper, kept looking for him. So, so if you've got Lewis Graben there, you can't really clip those balls into the centre forward because he's probably going to get flattened, even against Arsenal. Um, but, but they couldn't outmuscle Keenan Davis. And the the most prolific pass combination to a Forest outfield player was Bree Samba to Keenan Davis. He picked him out with seven accurate passes over the ninety minutes. He attempted about twenty seven, um, but it, it got them up the pitch. And yeah, it, it was a great night for for Nottingham Forest. All of their players worked so hard, and and, and they fully deserved the win. Um, one of the thrillers of the weekend was Barnsley five, Barrow four, nine goals. And ascending off. Sam, uh, what was your pick from this one? My pick would be Ollie Banks. Ross Joyce blows the whistle. Ollie Banks stutters his run up. Takes a strike, Ollie Banks! And what a strike, Ollie Banks! They said you wanted to see an FA Cup goal. You've just seen one there from the barrel skipper on the ground where his father made 260 appearances. Ollie Banks rifles a shot from distance, high into the top corner of Jack Walton's goal. And in this second half, it's game on in this cup tie. It's Barnsley 2, Barrow 1. Oh, he's, what a hit. he's done this before. Um, I think he got one in the playoffs for Tramir against Forest Green, which was sublime as well. And I don't think I've dreamt this, but there's a, a clip doing the rounds on Twitter of someone, I think in the home end, saying, cool, who does he think he is, Ronaldo? <laughs> Cue the ball whistling into the top corner from 30 yards. Um, so and I, I really enjoyed that. It doesn't get much better. But Do you reckon it was pecu- 30 yards? I thought it might have been further than that. Yeah, yet. it might have been. Peculiar in that both teams, well, Barrow have been abject away from home, haven't scored for, for I think, the last four games on the road. And, and Barnsley haven't been picking up points at all. So it's a little bit bizarre especially Barrow down to 10, which I thought probably was the correct decision. But um, some unbelievable goals. Devante Cole, unlucky to be uh, knocked into second position. Has there ever been a sort of less glorious victory than, than this one for Barnsley? I mean, conceding four to 10 men is a bit embarrassing, isn't it? I know they've got through to the next round, but that is the the ultimate 
scramble, really, really, isn't it? And 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 on that free kick, it just makes you wonder why more players don't just lash it. Obviously, we we see so many go for these clever little curlers, dipping it over the wall, which is yeah, good skill in its own right. It's actually easier to just lash one. From you know, put, put you your laces that. behind you it. You say that like for people with technical ability. Most <laughs> people that would end up in Rosette. But yeah, a good toe punt from about thirty yards. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've duffed plenty. Don't worry about that. But but when they do come off, as you as you saw, it's, they're, they're near on impossible to stop. Yeah, that was my favourite favourite goal. Yeah, easy. Wonderful goal. And uh, dance. That's a word for our lockdown legends, Cambridge United. That's what they've been called a few times. Beating Newcastle one nil. Um, Joe Ironside with a goal and some incredible keeping in that game as oh. well, wasn't there? Dimitar Mtimov, just astonishing goalkeeping. There was one save from Jacob Murphy in the first half at the Leases end that he somehow turned over the crossbar. Superb reactions. And he was there right at the death as well when Newcastle had piled everybody forward to try and get the equaliser. Lovely save again right at the end from Joe Linton from a header that looked destined for the top corner. Just magnificent from Mark Bonner and his Cambridge players. Fully deserved. Uh, well played, but... And Timoff in, in goal. Just magnificent goalkeeping. You can't win a cup tie like that without a, a goalkeeper putting in a shift like he did. Does that show there's still this this magic in the FA Cup, do you think, Sam? You know, you think about the money Newcastle have. It's the obvious line, isn't it? But compared to Cambridge United, it's it's just mind-blowing. I mean, no one saw that coming, did they? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think I might have tipped that, tipped that one, Michelle. <laughs> full, full house we had, didn't we, Clarkey, last week? Full house. You, you went for Bournemouth, didn't you? Yeah, I did indeed, yeah. I think we tipped Huddersfield as well. Yeah, but what, why did you think that could be the upset, though, Clarkey, in all seriousness? Because if you look but, on paper, that should not have happened. Because on paper, I, I see Newcastle as being at the standard of a playoff-chasing championship team. They've got the name, they've got the stadium, they've got the crowd. And the money. But And they've got the money, but they haven't got the players at the moment. They haven't got a very good team at all. And, and I just felt that I, whenever I see Cambridge, you know, I follow them a little bit more closely than some, they just seem a really fearless team. And and I, I knew that they wouldn't be phased by the the occasion. Um, and Mark Bonner is, is a, a coach that's... You know that I rate. I think he's a good organizer, and 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 they're they're very much a family at Cambridge, and yeah, they stayed in the game long enough to make Newcastle edgy, and then they took their chance when when it came. But but to have the giant killing, you have to have you have to tick that box of goalkeeper have it has a worldie, and and obviously Mitov did. We're not going to miss the the best journalistic line of the weekend, are we? Are we considering I'm sat here with the three most esteemed journalists that I know. <laughs> Go on, what's that? Mitov and Joe Ironside are housemates. Which is just oh. tremendous. Can you imagine them going back and having half a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc left from the previous week and doing a stir fry with whatever's left in the fridge? Yeah. From uh, they missed the Friday Big Shop because they were up in Newcastle. So I just thought that was lovely, and I thought it was fitting that um, Ironside was the man because yeah. so often we spoke about Paul Mullin last season, mm. and everyone um, that I know within the game who's played against Cambridge says that Ironside is so underrated and the real fulcrum of that of that team. So it was good that he got the winner. 
Yeah, and before we move on from the FA Cup, we should give a mention to Kidderminster, who Abby claims off air she tipped to beat Reading, but they did 2-1, so um, a shout-out for that giant killing as well. But that is it for the FA Cup. Before we move on, uh, we're not talking championship today for obvious reasons, but there's plenty of chatter around the potential Derby takeover and Mike Ashley at the moment. Now, as ever, The Athletic is your best place for all that news. Matt Slater has written a brilliant breakdown of everything going on at the Rams. If you're not yet a subscriber, then head to theathletic.com forward slash league show to get yourself a third off a subscription. Okay, let's head to League One. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line. We're talking to Joe in Newcastle and Greg in Norwich. How are you feeling, gents? Oh, yeah, good. Optimistic, Paddy. Uh, but your team's at the bottom of the table. Why are you so happy? Well, I think I speak for Norwich and Newcastle fans everywhere when I say we really fancy our chances of uh, winning the championship next year. Ah, silver linings, eh? Just like with Paddy Power's Bet Builder, where you get money back as a free bet if one leg lets you down. Paddy Power applies to pre-match online bet builder bets with minimum four legs of at least one to five odds each. Max free bet ten pounds per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Season season apply. Eighteen plus. BeGambleAware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. BBC Oxford are reporting on Monday morning that Oxford United are looking to leave the Kassam Stadium where the current lease expires in 2026 and they want to build a new 18,000 capacity ground. The chairman of Wigan Athletic, Talal Alhamad, has called on the EFL to extend the current season due to the widespread fixture congestion and Freddie Ladapo has handed in a transfer request at Rotherham. But only one place we can start our roundup at Adams Park uh, where the car park was full we talked about that and so were the goals for uh, both Wickham and Sunderland Patterson thought about coming and it's in and Wickham are level Joe Jacobson wow uh, what a game I was doing this one on Sky with Sam Saunders and Kevin Phillips and, and when Sunderland got Ross Stewart's what they thought was winner in the 93rd minute, I think that was, dance. Sam Saunders was like, no, this isn't over. This is Wickham. And, and we sort of knew what he meant, didn't we? Because, I mean, Joe Jacobson, he clears one off the line at one end and then he scores at the other. It was incredible, wasn't it? I cannot think of another team, particularly in League One, who are kings of the late goal like Wickham Wanderers are. They just constantly come up with point-saving or point-winning goals. In beyond stoppage time, what was it? Uh, eight minutes into stoppage time, when Jacobson got that that equaliser. After what you say was an absolutely stunning goal line clearance on that header at the other end. Uh, brilliant acrobatics from Jacobson. But they just know how to grind Wickham. They've just got this thing about them. Um, and Sunderland looked great in the first half. That first goal from Stewart, when it comes across his body, just guides it in. I love that finish. Love finishes like that. Um, but yeah, you do not count Wickham out in any game because they always seem to have the capability to snatch something right at the death. It's it's a great trait to have. It's a great trait to have for any club. 
before we carry on talking about the game, just want to give a shout out to the managerial fashion, Clarky. What do you prefer? Do you prefer Gareth Ainsworth in that leather jacket? I'm told, Sam Saunders tells me, he wears the same jacket every single time. Um, or are and you the shirt, a, he's got well, previous for that. Yeah, I mean, he's look, got the Navy he, shirt underneath, hasn't he? I yeah. thought he'd be one of these footballers that just had the same same jacket 10 times in his wardrobe. <laughs> Um, but did you prefer Lee Johnson, the flat cap? I mean, it looked a little bit like his dad. I saw, saw his dad yesterday from a distance because he lives in the same town as me. And it started to look a bit like him, flat cap, lots of layers. <laughs> Do you know what? I think Sam Parkin is, is the fashion police in this parish, really. <laughs> I, I've, I've not I've not really got a right well, to yes, say man. anything. Look, I can I'm say not really got... Well, I, I, would go with Lee, I would go with Lee Johnson because he mixes it up a little bit. Mm. With Gareth, it is, the, it is the same look. Now, it's a, it's a distinct distinctive look it, you could caricature him and, and he deserves very credit great credit for his consistency but you've got you've got to mix it up a little bit but yeah Lee Johnson is um yeah he's old school he's he just yeah, he's, he's a he's a one he wants to be like his old man doesn't he and I, I think that's kind of cute yeah he, they both look very smart um Sam um what do we think of, of Sunderland having to recall players online to to essentially get the game on possibly. I mean, I'm not sure if they would have had enough or not. There was doubt about the game in, in the week, but they've missed the chance to to go top. But there did seem to be um, goodwill that the club really wanted to play this game, didn't they? It would seem so. It's clearly not ideal, but the calibre of the player is good. That's coming back. Diamond's obviously had a couple of really good spells at Harrogate and... Um, the goalkeepers, I think, performed miracles at uh, Notts County. Certainly, you know, got a good reputation. It's interesting. Christian from Quest told me that his, his previous Sunderland performance was in the 3-1 victory over Wickham the last time they, they met. So, yeah, that was a strange quirk that he, he was back in goal for this game. And obviously, he was he was really involved. But, yeah, I, I just think Sunderland more or less had their first team out there, didn't they? Well, they did. And at the moment, they're playing with real attacking flair. And that's why it led to such an open game. Gareth Ainsworth's going with an attacking lineup. Spoke about Mimetti in the preview show. And, you know, he showed brilliant feet to, to get that goal there. They're playing a lot of attacking players in maybe what you would consider unnatural positions for them. If you look at Jacobson, where he's shaped up this season, Grimmer as well. But um, it, that's why it led to such a fantastic game I would say Dance is 100% spot on if I was being pedantic I just think Sunderland maybe missed that really dominant centre half I'm not saying it would have got them over the line but I think with Doyle and Flanagan they've had injury problems in that position when you're away at Wickham there is I used to hate going back and defending set pieces and I would have hated it even more hanging on to a lead at Adams Park, I would have despised it because you know what's coming and it's just so hard to avoid conceding. Or I have to make note of the pylon at the end. I have to make note of the pylon. Bayo yeah, and great, were right on top the of dance. that pylon. Goodness me. He did a dance first. He did a little... Have you danced? Did you see the little dance he did first? Pause <laughs> yeah. for the dance and then bang. He, yeah. Yeah. he likes to bust some moves, doesn't he? It's the only time you wanted to be at the bottom of the pile, right? <laughs> um, Sam, um, just just quickly as well on Ross Stewart not getting the hat trick. Yeah, I mean, look, Stockdale was an OG, wasn't it? But as a striker, mm. you're claiming that, aren't you? Ah, oh, sick for him, really. You know, back to back hat tricks. Only Sir Les, I think, has managed that in my in my memory. Uh, when I was a wee nipper watching QPR um, over New Year, I think it was, or Easter, it might have been Easter. But um, yeah, I mean, he deserved it for that first one because he absolutely bullied the centre half. Great delivery towering header um, and the other two as, as Dance described what a, the second is beautiful and the third I loved as well I've been in that exact 
situation many time and the spin on the ball. You kind of know as the striker, he'd have been the only one in the ground that knew that that contact was going to just make it bend back in because he'd have, he'd have, he'd have felt it as he um, just steered it away from the goalkeeper. So he is, as Gareth Ainsworth said, almost unplayable right now and uh, a bit of a lesson for the young Wickham centre-half who's um, had a great start to his life in the EFL. Yeah, there was some controversy as well over the Wickham second goal, but it but it was given. It was quite the coming together in the in the penalty area, but obviously it stood. Corey Evans, by the way, is okay. He was stretched off in a neck brace, which resulted in all that added time. Okay, we're off to Priestfield next, um, but it will be a while before Steve Evans is. He's left his post as Ginningham boss after they got thumped four 0 by Ipswich as Kieran McKenna made it two wins from two. No wins in 13, Clarkey. Not been very happy. It's not a surprise, is it? It's not a surprise at all. No, because yeah, when, you, when you've gone that long without a win, I think in, in all competitions, 13 games, you, your position's got to be under threat. If you throw in the fact that he was openly sort of touting himself for the Stevenage job, that gives you another little excuse to, to potentially push him out. I think he was unlucky to lose all of his key players really at once during that run. So there, there are mitigating circumstances, but I'm not, I'm not a huge Steve Evans fan, as, as regular listeners will will know. So, yeah, with no tears shed in the Clark household. Um, the, um, <laughs> That'd be the, weird, the, wouldn't it, if the wife started crying tomorrow morning? <laughs> Tremendous. That would, be, that would be very strange. Uh, yeah, the last time he was sacked, though, he kept turning up at Talk Sport, which was a little bit awkward when I was in. Um, so, yeah, um, hopefully that won't happen. Oh, um, I'd love that yeah, <laughs> Neil Smith, the player I played with um, at Welling United, actually, towards the end of my playing days, played against him lots of times um, during my career. Um, former Bromley boss, he, he's been heavily linked uh, with the job, played for Gilliam, um, was, was a bit of a legend there and did a great job, I thought, at Bromley in, in the National League. So, and, he, and he's apparently been at the priest field of late watching the games as if he might have um, might have known what was coming. So, so yeah, be, I'd love to see him get the gig. I think I think it'd be a very, very different Gilliam if, if that were to be the case. Can I just... Um... Can I just read out my favourite tweet of the year to just um, kick Steve Evans while he's down? Never want to see anyone leave their position in football. Let me just get that out of the way. But Henry Winter on the 16th of November uh, tweeted, Stevenage have requested permission to speak to Gillingham manager Steve Evans. And a Chris Ransom replied, what about? <laughs> it just really tickled me at the time. Um, Dance, they're, they're 22nd uh, in the table, seven points from safety, three wins all season. Why, why do you think they go from there? Do you think that's a good shout from Clarkey? Well, yeah, clearly they need something. The, the, the building blocks were there. What was it, two top 10 finishes that Steve Evans managed before this campaign? So it's a bit of an alarming drop off, but as Clarkey's already mentioned, you know, there are important players that aren't part of the the setup at the moment so uh, that's got to be considered but uh, you know bringing somebody in from non-league who at least has a basic understanding of the club and has played for the club will help the because the supporters are so disenfranchised at the moment um about lack of investment Paul Scally's getting plenty as he always does it seems to me so Anybody who's got any connection to Gillingham will be an upgrade, I think, as far as the fans are concerned. Let's see how it goes, because it's it's as competitive at the bottom of League One to get out of trouble as it is at the top of League One to get out into the Championship. 
Well, let's talk about Ipswich, who did win this game 4-0, and James Norwood's revival continues. Back from Burns, Danassi into the box, Bond, then to the right-hand side, unselfishly, Morsey shoots, and it's in! And yet again, it's Norwood on the near post, converting to score in his fourth successive league game, and Ipswich turned deservedly, they've been the better side in these first nine minutes, go 1-0 up in the rain at Chillingham. Oh, that was a lovely goal. Uh, that, that first goal from Ipswich was sweeping passing move into left and right ball across the face and a finish from Norwood it was delightful to watch and it seems that Ipswich are now clicking into gear with all those signings that they've made what is it 1920 signings it appears there's finally uh, some tactical now and some 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 clear ideas that are being put across and Macaulay Bonds back involved it's all good signs for Ipswich now after what was a pretty wretched first three or four months you think James Norwood was on Paul Cook's transfer list as mm. well, Clarky. Um, but it, it, the signs are good for Ipswich, aren't they? Um, Daniel Phillips was taking after his manager with some some big challenges. Some would say hot-headed challenges. That red card, though, is that the stupidest sending off you've seen this weekend? Possibly the stupidest sending off this season. Yeah, it was absolutely stupid, wasn't it? He's got he got a little bit of previous. He's had some, uh, you know, some reds before, some lots of yellows as well uh, along the way. But I, I think it's just it was it was the act of a very very frustrated man. And do you know what? If I was playing for Gillingham in this game, I think I would have been very frustrated as well because they were completely scored. This was this was men against boys. It was silky, sexy football. Honestly, from Ipswich Town, I thought it was it was beautiful stuff. Not just for that first goal that danced rightly, Lords. I think the, the, the second and third goals were, were outstanding as well. It just goes to show what Ipswich are capable of. They are when when they when the, when they're hot, they, they are very hot. I mean, they've scored four at Pompey, four at Wickham, now four at Gillingham. So yeah, McKenna's clearly um, done some good work on the training ground to to get some patterns of play into the heads of the players and and. Whew, that was that was fantastic. Really, really impressive. Okay, Lincoln beat Oxford 2-0, which means they're out of the relegation zone after registering a first league win since October. I mean, it was basically before Halloween. And they beat Oxford 2-0 at Sinsel Bank. Uh, Sam, we haven't really spent a huge amount of time discussing Lincoln's pretty poor season. Um, what's been going wrong and how can they put it right from here? I would say an alarming number of players nowhere near the, the level of last season um, and obviously lost some players that were incredibly successful last year, Johnson uh, being, the, being the obvious one. And then injuries to, well, on Saturday, Walsh, Hopper, you could say the most integral part of the, the forward jigsaw. Jackson, defensively, uh, would have been in the side this season. And Brickcutt who's one of the first names on the team sheet as well. So they've been badly hit by injury, lost Montsmer in the first half as well. But what this was, was I think all about the two goal scorers. In essence, you can pick holes in Oxford's performance. And yes, Lincoln were excellent across the 11. But I just think for Scully to get back scoring, the one player who can hold his head high, really, from that the, the performances in the early part of the season, Whitaker coming in against a very good left back in Steve Seddon. I think at that level to have the performance on his debut that he did is really encouraging for, for for Lincoln. So I think all the supporters will be so chuffed 
because it's been a long time coming. Fiorini as well, early part of the season, he was top notch. What's happened to him? And then he hit a what beautiful crossfield ball for the for the first goal. So yeah, I think it was the collective was good, but I think to get those two guys on the score sheet moving forward could see a real upturn for Lincoln. Yeah, I was going to mention Fiorini as well. The not the crossfield pass for the first goal. Was, he was kind of involved in the second as well, that when it mm. fell to Whitaker in the end. So yeah, you know, you, you get a player in from the Manchester City Academy to play at that level and you hope that they, you know, get a you know, used to playing at that level and, and can start influencing games. And that's clearly what Fiorini's capable of doing. The goalkeeper as well was phenomenal last year at, at Cheltenham. That's his first home clean sheet, Griffiths, who's uh, been been involved in England youth set up. So I think it's just across the board, the, the drop-off in terms of the individual performance levels has been has been pretty pretty vast. Yeah, Michael Appleton's a bit of a specialist with, with loanies, isn't he? But that does lift Lincoln out of the relegation zone. Was it just an off day for Oxford, Clarkey? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it looked to me as if Lincoln, and it's an old cliche, but they wanted it more. It, they, they found themselves in the relegation zone, didn't they, at the start of the day, which I can't get my head around, really. Lincoln City should be a top half side with the squad that, that Appleton has got at his disposal. Completely agree with what Sam said. And um, yeah, Oxford just—they were just off it a touch, weren't they? And they were—they were blown away by some really good, improved performances. What I, what I found interesting was afterwards classic deflection tactics from Carl Robinson, who, who sort of knows his way around the media game, doesn't he? Talking at length about contracts, you know, it's nothing to do with the game. And I'm not using this as an excuse. I think he was quoted as saying that as he then rattled off the excuse of I think nine first team squad players are, are into the last six months of their deals and there's a lot of uncertainty and what he's saying is it's January, we've got these players out of contract, other clubs are sniffing around them and their heads are being turned. Are we going to make them offers to stay or, or are we going to cash in on them? It's, it's too uncertain and and there's some big players part of this list: Elliot Moore, Mark Sykes, James Henry, Gorin, Winnell, Agiai. There's loads, so I, I do have sympathy. Um, but yeah, you can't really use that as an excuse for this defeat. I just thought Lincoln were quite inspired. Yeah, he wasn't happy. There was he covered about Cameron Brannigan, who went off injured. But Blackpool had a three hundred thousand pound bid for him turned down last week. But dance is going to happen, isn't it? It's January. It's the transfer window. Um, but this is the life of a footballer, I suppose. You might have a more lucrative offer come, come in from somewhere. It doesn't work out at the first time of asking. And maybe for, for Brannigan, if he couldn't pass a medical this month, then he wouldn't be going anyway. It's such a. I think people can forget what a fine sort of edge it is. Well, Oxford have been in and around, you know, competing as a, you know, a, a top six side for the last couple of years. And Carl Robinson's kind of got them, you know, close but no cigar. Brannigan's their best midfielder. There's, there's, there's no quite. There's no surprise that. Clubs from a tier further up like Blackpool are showing a great deal of interest in him. But you mentioned there at the very start of the piece, there's all this talk about a move to a new stadium that the owners want to you know, move away from the Kazam. And uh, is it Kidlington, the, uh, the, the, the district they want to move to for a, a brand new place? Um, hopefully they can build four stands at that new place rather than just three. But I, I don't know how much that news that you mentioned, Michelle, distracts from what the owners and and Carl want to be doing in terms of getting their heads together and making on the pitch decisions for the second half of the season. 
Herbie Kane was sent off as well. The club have tweeted that they uh, are not going to appeal that either, so they'll be without him. All right, that's League One. And guess what's next? It's League Two. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show. Newport and Salford played in front of no one and it was the away side who benefited, winning 2-0 at Rodney Parade. Tranmere put four past Scunthorpe in their first game of 2022 and that's the first time they've scored more than two goals in the league this season. And Alex Ravel is back at Stevenage. He's coaching in the academy. Let's have a look at Carlisle to Bradford, Neil. Two fantastic goals for Carlisle from Gibson. And Patrick saw Carlisle cause a bit of an upset against Bradford Sam. Three wins on the spin now for Carlisle. And Keith Mellon's done a, a decent job, hasn't he, since starting? Uh, starting what did, what did he take over? End of October, wasn't it? Uh, the club were 22nd. They're now 19th. Yeah, he's going, going brilliantly. I think being a former defender himself, clearly start from the back, get that right, get the foundations right. Four clean sheets in five. I think you look at the players that have played during that period, Morgan Feeney seems to be someone that's been reintroduced under Keith Millen and, and has had, had an incredibly positive impact with his reading of the game, his pace alongside um, Big McDonald, who who's clearly brings strength to the back line. So nice combination there. And in the market, they've been active nice and early. Two signings up, up top. Omatoy, who had a really impressive debut, obviously tired out Bradford, um, a lot of unselfish work up the top, but gives them that thrust beyond. And then Amari Patrick came on to put the, the gloss on what was a pretty convincing performance. I watched a lot of this and it's not really happening for Bradford right now. They were okay in the first half and the, the second half they were really abject. I don't know if it's a case of Derek Adams trying to emulate what he did at Morecambe with a, a Bradford side where the supporters are going to have higher hopes. <laughs> Clearly they got promoted last season, Morecambe, but Bradford probably not suited to being a counter-attacking side and they're not having much of the ball. 55% Carlisle had here. The possession stats are well down on where they were last season and also uh, in terms of the past completion. So they're playing a different style at Bradford this year, I would suggest. And Andy Cook's injury is not great for them either. So pretty desperate there, but things very much on the up for Carlisle. Yeah, Clarkie, for, for Carlisle, Amari Patrick only re-signed for the club two days before the game. Uh, Keith Lennon didn't really know him, it turns out. He said, once his name cropped up, everybody here, and obviously I don't know the lad, but everybody said the same thing. They wanted to try to get him. That's uh, that's quite some honesty, isn't it? 
Very good honesty. Yeah, it, it happened to me once at, at Rotherham where, <laughs> yeah, they signed me and it was the sort of director of football person and the man, manager didn't have a clue about me, who I was, what position I played. And yeah, he played me central midfield and I was a winger and I'd never played central midfield, not even as a kid. So it was, it, it's not ideal when the manager doesn't know you, but I, th- I don't think there's any doubt that, that Patrick's a forward that's quick. And God, what a goal, what a way to announce yourself or re-announce yourself. It's, it was spectacular, wasn't it? And yeah, Omotoy and him, they're going to be a handful, aren't they? It, it's, it's great to have two speed merchants, I think, because as Sam said, you got one guy, maybe Omotoy would be the first choice, who's sort of powerful. He can bully the defenders and, and grind them down. And then you unleash someone like Patrick for the, for the back end of the game. It's, it's quite a smart tactic, I think. Dan, do you think Bradford have got what it takes to push for the playoffs now? They're currently six points off. Yeah, I think so. I, I think Andy Cook's absence, is, as Sam's mentioned, is going to be important, getting him back as soon as possible. Um, they had a goal ruled out. Um, Songo, I think, went up with the, the Carlisle keeper, Howard, and it was it was chalked off. It seemed... Well, we see this all the time. You know, I'm sure Sam Parkin and Adrian Clark, as members of the Forward or Strikers Union, will say that the goalkeeper was protected a little too much in that instance. But um, there's more than enough teams who can make a go of it in the second half of the season. But three wins in a row for Carlisle pulls them away from trouble. They're easily in the best form of any of those teams in the in that sort of a relegation dogfight towards the bottom of League Two. So. But should we expect any different when Keith Millen takes over at a side? He's just he knows how to negotiate this kind of league and this kind of football and these kind of situations. On Bradford, Michelle, I think it's the goal scoring that's been the problem. Sam touched on it there in terms of they, they should be more of a front foot team. They're good enough to they've got good enough forward players to go and you know, wear teams down inside the final third. They've scored one goal or less. In 15 of 23 league games, um, that's not good enough. We talked about Bradford as being title contenders, didn't we, Sam, at the start of the season? I think they're 19 points behind Forest Green as it stands. So, yeah, if you're looking for sort of those that are underachieving, un- underwhelming, I think you, you can't look much past um, past the Bantams, really. Mm, OK, Northampton, Crawley finished 1-0 to Crawley. Uh, been far too long since we heard from John Yems. Here he is post-win at Northampton talking about the table and comparing the state of his COVID-riddled squad to an old sitcom from the 70s. Don't look at that till April, May time, mate, because it weren't that long ago that the banners was out and where we was going and we ain't won for four games. And, but I said to you, if you would have come down to training ground, it looked like a mash unit, you know what I mean? There was bodies lying all over the place. And there still is a few bodies lying all over the place, but... The lads are stuck together, though. It was their performance. It was a club performance, their team performance. <laughs> How'd you come off the back of that with a question? But fair play to the media officer. He tried. Um, never change, Jimmo. Uh, let's talk about the game then. Um, Sam, Tom Nichols with a sophisticated finish, you said, on Quest. Uh, deserve win for Crawley? Oh, um, bit of a smash and grab. Not that Northampton were miles better, but I think... 0-0-1-1 probably would have been a fairer reflection considering the improvement from the, the cobblers in the second half. Um, yeah, I spoke about the absence of Atete who has clearly been outstanding as a focal point because he's not got loads of goals, gone back to Spurs, 
I think he's due to sign for Cheltenham today. So that that's a big blow for him because if someone's not scoring goals, they've got to be doing a hell of something else. And it sounds like he's been, you know, linking the play brilliantly for Northampton. So pressure on Zimba, who joined from Cardiff, had two chances, their only two chances really in the second half, hit the bar and um, was thwarted by, by Glenn Morris when he went through. But yeah, I, lo- I love the Nichols finish. And I think they've got... Good firepower. If they can get a Pyre, Nichols, and Nadison somehow into that lineup, now that they're starting to keep clean sheets at the other end, they've got good pace in the wide areas with Tilly, Ferry, or Tizarula. I really like um, that front three. And I just felt, I don't know if anyone else has mentioned it, but I thought Nichols looked at his his strike partner, just tempted the, the keeper to shift his body weight or maybe take a step to the right and then flashed it in the near post. And having played with Tom, in all the shooting drills when we were at Exeter, he was the best by a mile and a bit of a slow burner his career. Tisdale didn't have trust in him initially, but uh, John Yems has really gotten going. I think their relationship dates back to Exeter. So he probably sees what I saw in Tom as a young player and has put incredible trust and belief in him. And you can see from his performances, Tom's now their main man. Um, for Crawley, it's, it's now just four points off the top seven. Dance. It's a team that tends to blow hot and cold, obviously more hot at the moment. Could they? <laughs> yeah, of course they could. Uh, and when you go, John Yems is never a, a, a manager to call a spade a you-know-what, is he? He's, uh, he's always going to be desperately honest with us and presumably therefore in the dressing room with his players to make sure that he gets the the best out of them. That was a smashing finish from from Nichols. It was lovely to see. Um, Nadizan can also pitch in me goals. Maybe Nichols needs a few more goals to add to his game. What's that, three this season for Crawley? He needs to up that ratio a little bit more, I think, uh, to get Crawley really competitive. But yeah, it's good to see. I, I do think Northampton will miss Etete, as Sam mentioned. I watched him early in the season playing the League Cup at Coventry and... He was just outstanding. I mean, you could see that the, the Tottenham DNA running through his veins and how he went about his football. So uh, that's a big boost for Cheltenham if they're getting him. That'll be uh, that. That's a good stepping stone for for Cheltenham and for Etete. I think we'll see how that plays out. And for Northampton, Clarkey, a, a bit off at the moment. I mean, postponements haven't helped them. Forest Green next. It's, it's not going to get any easier, is it? It's not, no. But yeah, I think the the long absence, not not being able to train properly, definitely has, has had an impact on on them. They were, it, it was a bit of a non-event from them in the first half, but the second half looked quite impressive on the highlights. And, and if you look at the shot count, it was seventeen three to Northampton. So they probably count themselves a little bit unlucky not to at least get a draw out of the game. They'll come again, I'm sure of that. But yeah, they're sort of just feeling their way back after. Yeah, really extended break. On Crawley, by the way, they've got the third worst expected goals against record in the league. So if they, if they are going to make that push for the playoffs, they're going to have to give give up less chances, basically. You know, in this game, they gave up chances too, didn't they? Oldham and Scunthorpe, the only teams that have, that have, um, that are expected to, to have conceded more. OK, Stevenage 3, Warsaw 1. Um Portisdale, someone you know, Sam, his, his four January signings already paying off. Did that scoreline flatter Stevenage? But no, I thought they were very fast out the the traps. And after the the jubilation of um, Connor Wilkinson's amazing volley last time out, I mean, the defending for the opening two goals. I think Manny Essay didn't he score with his first touch since becoming a permanent signing? And 
there was waves of Stevenage attacks and the first two goals were kind of comical for, from that regard. But yeah, I mean, they've been active, haven't they? We tried to get him on the pod, Paul Tisdale, but he's obviously been too busy wooing uh, potential new signings. Couldn't come on last week. And yeah, gone with some guys he knows, Upson out at Bristol Rovers, Christy Pym, that's a no-brainer. Playing in the, the championship every week, start of the season. Lovely boy, Christy. Don't know what prompted the falling out with Darren Ferguson because he'd be the last person I'd expect to uh, misbehave. So um, yeah, that's a that's a bit of a no-brainer. Actually, the the goalkeeping coach at Exeter is Paul Tisdale's number two, Mel Gwinnett. So he'll have a he'll have a, a brilliant relationship with Christy. Would have known him since he was a kid, and um, very experienced. Everyone he's brought in. Um, Christian at Quest again had a little look at the average age of the starting lineup over 30, um, you know, which just shows you. I think there's three lads maybe around 27, 28, but you know, that's a very, very experienced side. And I think it showed at the weekend. You stick Boswick in your midfield, Jake Taylor, Lyons, um, you know, there's a lot of quality there. I, I went for it on Saturday night. I, I can't see them getting relegated now. I, I really can't. And, and, you know, when they were struggling six weeks or so ago, there would have been a, a definite chance. So I think um, that was a deserved victory and expect more to come in there. I, I saw enough from Stevenage at Forest Green that the game previous to show me that they had the capability of uh, of getting out of trouble. So as Sam says, that the players that, that has been that have been brought in to the Stevenage squad can only help because they lost 2-0 at Forest Green, but they weren't outplayed by the league leaders, by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, there's great encouragement for for Stevenage fans, I think. Yeah, Phil Wallace was, during the pandemic, he was very open and admitted that they were struggling big time financially. But he's gone the other way now. They've got some fresh investment by all accounts. And he was bullish in his programme notes for this game and said that we're not short of cash, basically. It's not very often you see a, you know someone in charge of the purse strings come out and say, we got loads of money. But that's basically what he was saying. Um, he was quoted as, as, as saying that he thinks they can compete with anyone in League Two for players now. And when you consider the size of some of the clubs in League Two, that's, you know, that's, that's big talk, really. So they're obviously going to be splashing out a few quid on, on wages. So I, I think you can expect more acquisitions in, in the coming weeks. Um, Dance Warsaw have been, been starting to build up momentum, a bit of a truncated Christmas period. They're letting six goals in two games, that must be of concern, but they're 15th in the league. Is that a sort of fair reflection of their season overall? I think so. I heard uh, Matty Taylor speaking to the local media as I was driving home from Port Vale on Saturday and uh, he couldn't put his finger on why it was that Warsaw were as poor as they were and and, and and went one nil down as early as they did with the uh, with the own goal. Um, Warsaw, I mean, I've got a soft spot for Warsaw. They're kind of my uh, club I keep an eye on because when I first started working as a reporter, that was my beat that I followed back in the uh, the late nineties, early two thousands, when Warsaw arguably were at their zenith when they were uh, getting promoted to the championship under Ray Graydon and keeping their heads above water at that level for a couple of seasons. Um, they seem a, a long, long way away from those days right now. But, you know, Matt Taylor, as, as I say, he sounded at a loss as to what it was that, that led to their, their downfall because they were three unbeaten before that. But I don't see them being in any trouble. I mean, they're, they're on the same points as Bradford and we were only talking about them five minutes ago is having a potential to get crashed the playoffs. So let's see whether they can respond to that performance. I would say definitely a case of needs more time um, and it's easy to say that about 
a lot of managers across the levels, but I just don't think it's a particularly good squad in comparison to what was there last year. I think offensively and at the back, if you think they had Adebayo last year, McDonald, Dan Scar, who's obviously gone and, and, and earned a move and doing really well. So yes, he has to hold his hands up and say, you know, maybe one or two of the signings haven't quite worked out that I've brought into the club, but he needs a few more more windows um, to, to, to get things right. And clearly, defensively, too loose at the moment. And I think the centre-forward, George Miller, only, well, he's not scored in 13 games. So they've got problems at both ends of the pitch. And I think with with any young manager, you, you hope that Matt Taylor's afforded a bit more time because otherwise he may struggle to get you know another job of that magnitude. Okay. Well, just before we end, let's head to our Paddy Power Corner and producer Abby for some midweek odds as there are two championship matches scheduled to go ahead. Thanks, Michelle. Yes, we've got two championship matches this week. And coming up tomorrow at the uh, Select Car Leasing Stadium, it's Reading versus Fulham. And it is Fulham who are, surprisingly, the favourites. They are 2-1 to on to beat the Royals. They're 5-1, to huge odds for the home side there, of course, coming off the back of their loss to Kidderminster uh, Harriers at the weekend. Uh, the draw comes in at 16-5 to there. And then on Wednesday night, can Barnsley... I don't know, find something from that 5-4. Can they use it as some sort of momentum? They are facing Stoke. Uh, haven't been having it all their way either recently. Uh, the Barnsley are 23-10. Stoke is 6-5 and the draw is 21-10. should also mention that there are a couple of league trophy ties going on as well, one of which does involve the uh, the academy sides of Arsenal and Chelsea. They face each other. Um, Arsenal <laughs> will be looking to get, save some face for the club from this weekend. They're the favourites, 11-10, to 10, Chelsea 17-10, to 10, draw 11-4. Uh, but more interestingly, from our perspective and indeed most other people's, uh, it's Cambridge versus Portsmouth. Uh, they are 9-4 to 4 Cambridge. Uh, Portsmouth, though, favourites, they are evens, draw 23-10. to 10. Uh, These are of course all to go through into the quarterfinal of the EFL trophy so see what happens on Tuesday night thanks Abby right you can find these odds and more at paddypower.com odds are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only T's and C's apply and when the fun stops stop right just before we go it's the January transfer window and that means players making debuts for clubs and sometimes going really well. Uh, Barley Mumba and Boyd Munster scoring on their debuts this weekend, but sometimes it goes terribly. See Roland Menyassi's own goal on his first game as permanent Warsaw player. So with that in mind, we thought we'd do who's had dream or nightmare starts for their new clubs over the years. I did a tenuous EFL link here, okay, because the player I'm going to mention is now a big part of the EFL, a big part of the championship. And I've gone super obvious, but it's something I remember to make you lot feel old from my youth so much. When Wayne Rooney um, played, it was Fenerbahce and he scored a hat-trick, didn't he? And I think he got an assist as well. That's the one that sticks in my mind. But Clarkie, what have you got? Dreams and nightmares? Well, the dream debut, the one I picked out is, is one from the EFL trophy last year. Um, he was 15, Lewis Boyd, 15. He was in year 11, studying for his exams, and he got a call-up for the game against Harrogate, came off the bench and scored an absolute beauty. I was watching it earlier, left-footed, outside the box, spanked it into the top corner. And yeah, in the process, he not only became Grimsby's youngest ever player, he became the youngest ever goal scorer as well. I've looked at what has happened since. 
And the answer is not a lot, I'm afraid. He um, he had one league appearance and now he's back in the youth team. Of course, Grimsby are out of the EFL in the National League. But he's still only 17. So it's kind, he's kind of where he should be in, in terms of the youth team. But yeah, that, that was his night. That was that was archetypal dream debut. What about you, Dance? I will take you back to Boxing Day 1994. Me and the whole Danta clan went to St Andrews. Birmingham City were playing Cambridge United and Barry Fry had given Ricky Otto his debut that day. £800,000 from Southend United, which was a lot of money for Birmingham in those days. Ricky uh, promptly scored in the first half, a scuffed effort at the Tilton Road end. We all went berserk. This is the greatest signing we've ever made. We're on our way back up to the championship level. And then he promptly scored an own goal in the second half, heading the ball into his own net from a corner. And that almost summed up Ricky Otto's entire time at Birmingham. Complete frustration for us in the stands watching him because he could win a game and terrorise players on his own. And that's why we bought him from South End. But on the other side, he could be an incredibly frustrating player. So that debut for Ricky Otto back in 94 sums him up perfectly. Brilliant. Sam, last but not least. Oh, as for a nightmare debut, I've gone even more tenuous. He was a manager in the EFL probably a year ago. Jonathan Woodgate at the Bernabeu. After that long-anticipated debut, he'd been out for so long injured. He'd learnt Spanish by all accounts and was very much <laughs> part of the dressing room. They all loved him until he played. Um, not to know G and then got himself... Um, sent off so I remember watching it actually I'm not a big viewer of the the, the Spanish games on the telly but I did catch that one and uh, could only go one way from there I've got, I have got a nightmare debut and I think you're going to like it Barnsley fans will will remember this do you do, do any of you remember an Arsenal youngster called Emmanuel Frimpon yes yeah he got sent off for two yellow cards on his Arsenal debut not great and then he he ended up going to Barnsley and by all accounts, he got in trouble at the photo shoot for sort of um, yeah, sulk, sulking around. And then he tweeted something that said, playing for Barnes is going to affect basically his pulling power with, with the girls. And then um, to kind of sort of complete the set on his day before Barnsley, he got sent off for two fouls in seven minutes on the same opponent. And yeah, he didn't make double figures. They signed him for money. And they released him on a free transfer four months later. Um, yeah, so um, not the best from Frimpong, who ended up doing a bit of a world tour. Oh, I'm going to go and look for that tweet, I think. That sounds very interesting. Um, thank you very much, Clarky, Dance and Sam. And to you for listening today, Matt will be back on Thursday to look ahead to the weekend's fixtures. But for now, from me, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.